Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. Today I am not at the Retreat House. I am off-site and I am at Connected Families in Chaska, Minnesota. And today my guests are Jim and Lynn Jackson. And the first time I heard Jim and Lynn Jackson speak was actually at a Trout Lake camp, family camp. And their approach to parenting, because I have a strong-willed child, was just revolutionary to me. And so when I thought about doing this episode on parenting, I thought, when I was thinking about who I wanted to ask, I thought, oh my gosh, I would love to have Jim and Lynn Jackson. So I made the ask because you have to make the ask. And they graciously said yes. So please help me welcome Jim and Lynn Jackson. Wow. Good, good to be here. I hear the, I hear the applause. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not even sure exactly where to begin. I mean, what was impactful for me, what I heard from you was, it felt like a whole new approach to parenting where I have, this, I have a strong-willed child and, and I hear you saying, it's a it's a positive trait coming out a little skewed, which was so revolutionary for me. And I had to spend four months praying, Lord, what is this gift? What is the gift that's coming out, you know, the strong willed? And for me, I felt like it was when he comes to a point where the Lord calls him to do something and everyone will say, oh, no, you can't. You can't do that. And he'll say, oh, just watch, watch me. me. Yeah. Yep. So where, why don't we just start with, where did this come from? This being just the way we generally talk about parenting? Yeah. Oh, Connected goodness. families, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was actually writing about this this morning. <laughs> um, tale of two dads. Uh, I, I met a dad early on. I was working with high-risk kids at the time in, mm-hmm. a, in a youth outreach called Treehouse, a local youth oh, organization. Okay. Best of its kind in the world as far as I am concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was privileged to work there for 12 years. And as part of my work early on, I started working with parents. Now, I'd always wanted to be a parent and felt like I had some pretty natural inclination to being a parent. And then I started working with other people's kids, and I felt like that was pretty natural for me, and I learned some things. And then in the treehouse context, we sort of tightened how you work with these high-risk kids. And we, we started learning some ideas about how to do this. And I thought, you know, the best way we can help kids is by helping their parents. Mm. And so a, a colleague and me put together a little group for parents and started working with parents. And it was just basically come and share and and in that context I started to pay attention like there's there's got to be a system there's got to be a way to describe what it is that seems to come naturally to some people after they have their aha moments and other people struggle with like how could we draw a picture of it mm-hmm. and I got a phone call one day from a church elder and he was distraught over the behavior of his teenage son and I invited him to come to the group. No, I can't come to the group because I don't want people to know who I am and I don't want people to hear my struggle. I just want to talk to you. Help me fix my son. It was basically what he was asking okay. me to do. It was very intense. And I asked him questions about his relationship and about the things they've done in the past and what are the things that your son does that are good, not all the bad stuff. And all he could focus on was the bad things his son was doing. And, and he said this statement before he hung up the phone. I didn't call for a bunch of psychobabble. Mm. no kid of mine is going to act this way and you're not helping and he hung up the phone and I, I went home to Lynn and I'm like hey Lynn I'm distraught because I, I know we're, we're 
helping parents, but can we, can we create a framework? Can we create a, 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 is there a, is there a systematic way to think through this? And we went to work, and it was on a napkin at first, and then it was on a notebook, and Lynn is more of a teacher than me. And, but what we came up with was just this simple little drawing that has now, you know, it's, it's on, in fact, we're looking at a refrigerator magnet together right here, and we, we've affectionately started to say, the refrigerator magnet says it all. Mm-hmm. Well, and it looks like a house. Shaped like a house. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it it kind does. does. For a while, we actually drew it like a house, and then that just got a little confusing, and we went mm-hmm. back to the basic shape. Yeah, but we didn't know what to do. The attic was a little weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, describe the house, Lynn. You're better at this than me. So just describe the house quickly for people listening. Well, the, the shape um, is a triangle that represents our relationship with our kids, mm-hmm. and it's divided into three layers. But that whole relationship needs to rest on a foundation. And that's the piece that's often missing from parenting materials is we don't stop to look at what's the foundation in me for relating to my child. Mm. What's going on in me that really affects how I enter that interaction mm-hmm. that I might not be aware of. So it's really how it... Uh, parenting is such a character revealer. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yes. <laughs> I heard the statement that marriage shows you you're selfish and parenting shows you that you're angry. <laughs> oh. That was so true. Oh, really? mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say... The thing about marriage, but then parenting shows you what a mess you really are. Oh, well, kind of. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I had to face a lot of anger when I was my own stuff when I was parenting. So that foundation uh, really is the starting place if we're going to build upwards. And it's what's going on in me. You know, am I stressed? Am do I have a, a lack of supportive relationships? Do I not have a sense of purpose in my life? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. my value from my children. Mm-hmm. Um, am I entering with a just a hair trigger temper? What's going on? Do I have judgments about myself as a parent? Do I have judgments about myself as a child? And that foundation really is the starting point for true change. And in my years of experience coaching parents. When I see a parent really begin to make shifts in their foundation, I know that the, that the rest is going to naturally follow. Mm-hmm. So as we are growing in the grace and truth of Jesus for us as parents, then uh, we more naturally relate to our child in really helpful ways. And that starts with that first bottom third of the triangle. And that is where we connect with our kids and we communicate, you are loved and enjoyed because kids need to know they are enjoyed, just like we need to know that our Heavenly Father enjoys us. And then in the heat of the moment, that connect principle becomes, you know what, you're loved no matter what. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's kind of a love in all circumstances kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, when we really communicate that you are loved, enjoyed, and loved no matter what, our kids are open to really having us mentor them in wisdom and skills for a lifetime. And we call that principle coach. And coaching is really, I mean, at at, at some level, coaching, I mean, if if you think about how how you taught your child to walk, Mm -hmm. you didn't scold them if they blew it. Right. You you didn't tell them a bunch of right steps to take and what they were doing wrong. You Mm -hmm. just celebrated when they took their first step. And and coaching really, uh, you know, throughout developmental stages um, is positive oriented. It's not based on the mistakes you make. It's based on setting kids up to succeed, affirming that success, um, talking about why that success matters Mm -hmm. uh, as it relates to even their character development. You know, how do we how do we coach them to succeed? in the gifts God's given them to do what God's built them to do. And in that, we communicate the message to them, you're capable. And not only are you capable, you're called to do the good work God prepared in advance for you to do. Mm. And as we coach well in that positive way, we communicate that message to them. 
And we've seen just really cool transformations in parents when they get a vision, like you did, mm -hmm. that your intense child that causes you so much stress really is equipped to make a huge difference in the world. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or when they just begin to see their child as a miracle filled with God's purposes and yeah. you know, and he's prepared good works for them in advance. Mm -hmm. Then it's like exciting to figure out how to encourage and train kids in things they'll need. So one of the core beliefs that we had when we dealt with sibling conflict, which was huge in our home, because we had <laughs> close-aged, very intense kids, was we want for our kids the kind of relationships in life that Jesus bought for them on the cross. Mm. And that was central. And you can't imagine how that just kept us calm and focused most of the time when sibling conflict happened and very purposeful. And that just began to turn turn the barge, so to speak, of the of the heavy momentum that we had um, in sibling relationships. That was really, you know, pretty pretty difficult at first. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the essence of coach of getting that vision for your child, yeah. and then teaching them the values and skills that they need. Well, yeah, and, and Angie, you talked about this thing, you know, this gift. Like, what's the gift behind that strong will? We mm -hmm. we I don't know if even at the time when we taught, we had a term for it yet, but we've come to call that the gift gone awry. Okay. What is my child's yes. gift gone awry? Come out mm -hmm. twisted by their their selfishness, their sin, mm -hmm. their tiredness, mm -hmm. their lack of blood sugar, <laughs> their right. know, whatever it might be. Um, um, well, and for me too, I had to I had to realize that a strong will is not a bad thing. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And I had to make that mind yeah. shift. Uh, it's really hard to parent, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. but it is not a bad attribute. Yeah. Right. And I. I felt like that mind shift was a game changer yeah. for me too. And, and if you say the words, you know, oh, you have a very sensitive child or an intense child or a strong-willed child, everyone goes, oh, I'm so sorry for you, you know? <laughs> and yet you stop and think about it, it's like, okay, I think Jesus was sensitive, intense, and strong-willed, mm -hmm. so what are mm -hmm. we moping about? We've yeah. got a high-potential child right. that if we really follow the leading of the Spirit and, and parent them with grace and and kindness and purpose, amazing things yeah. can happen. Well, mm -hmm. practically speaking, um, you know, our, our oldest son, we came to see, he, he would always say, and I'm, a lot of people either are people like this or have kids like this, that's not fair. <laughs> it isn't fair. <laughs> and, and the way that behavior, even as a youngster, would manifest when he was three, four, five years old, let's just say he saw his two younger siblings fighting. He would assess who was being treated the most unfairly, and then he would protect that person by punishing the other one, hitting them, calling okay. them names, saying mean things to them. And the parent's inclination at a time like that is to go to the oldest child who just called his the middle child a bunch of names. That is not okay. You need to stop that right now. You go to your room and don't come out until you say you're sorry. I mean, that's just our normal default thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong necessarily with that unless we miss the fact that that, that gift of justice, of, of a sense mm -hmm. of fairness, got absolutely missed. Mm -hmm. we, we have an opportunity when something like that happens to say, you know what, I can see that you're really upset by how unfairly this is going. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I can see that you really care about your younger brother. That's really fantastic. Uh, but we're gonna have you take a break for a bit and talk about not just what's fair for him, but what's, you know, what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And how could you use that in a way that's not unfair to your sister? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and what's great about that is that your, which is, I think we're moving almost into the, your next one, correcting. You're yep. correcting his behavior and giving him an example of how, when he then comes in with his sister and his mm -hmm. brother 
in another interaction, you're modeling yep. how to deal with conflict yep. too. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And the fun thing, before we leave coach to go into correct, the fun mm -hmm. thing about that principle is it applies to all relationships. Mm -hmm. um, there was a pastor who recognized his incredible judgments about his daughter. She's a train wreck. And then he, she realized, kind of like your son, she's passionate and tense, mm -hmm. ready to take the world by storm. And it began to change, it transformed his relationship with his daughter the day mm -hmm. he realized that. But it also began to transform how he did ministry, mm -hmm. how he looked at mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. For us, I mean, we have gotten to where a lot of the marriage conflicts that used to just like drive us nuts, we can go pretty quickly to a place of joking about it because we recognize <laughs> that whatever's happening... I knew you were going to start talking about marriage <laughs> yeah. at some point. Whatever's happening is usually a manifestation of a gift gone awry. Yep. So mm -hmm. I sometimes oh, in I the mornings... That. Yeah, I'm not like quite on, on track. Lynn is really great us. at focusing on details. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes she misses context. Mm -hmm. hmm. And sometimes I'm so focused on details, I forget that, oh, we have to pack a lunch before we get to our meeting. And, oh, we forgot lunch, so now what? And yep. we're late. Mm -hmm. and, Let's and focus I'm on the details like. to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. And Jim, I'm sure, could, could share an example. But uh, <laughs> we, I won't press him on that. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I mean, we had a conflict. We had a, a tense interaction yesterday around some work planning kinds of things. And I know that I got a little snippy. I got snippy because there were some things that were important to me that are important things, values of clear messaging and you know concise use of time, and those are good values. And they were, they, in my mind, those values were being a little bit threatened. And so instead of saying, um, so I, I, we're a little short of time, I think this thing that we're talking about might be able to, I said, no, 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 we shouldn't be talking about this right now. We gotta keep moving. And I got snippy. And that's, that's my gift coming out twisted by my selfishness, my impatience, my lack of consideration for mm -hmm. other people. So, I mean, we now know that. And I get to the end of the meeting at the end, you know, at the end of the day, and they're like, oh, and it was a hard meeting, and here's why. And yeah, yeah, I know. And then Lynn would say to me, well, it was, I know it was really important to you to do this. And I mean, she got to the end of the meeting, and because she saw that even before we talked about it, it was like, Man, that was a great and productive meeting. So she, it's mm -hmm. like you forgave me before we even had the process. Because I just get his wiring. Oh, yeah. He's getting intense again. And that ought not be excused for me to act right. that way. No, no. In fact, my we best were... friend confronted me about it later <laughs> in the day as I was telling him the story. He said, I'll bet you engage with some of that Jim Jackson intensity that's not always so kind. <laughs> and that's right. Uh, well, and part of that, too, is it's... It takes vulnerability. This mm -hmm. is something that's been a hot topic for me lately. Mm -hmm. It takes it takes vulnerability to say, this is important to me, and I feel like it's not being it's considered. Being mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that is risky. It's yeah. so important. It's so important. Yeah. It's the lesson I'm learning and it <laughs> of all, late. And it also takes vulnerability to say, you're right, I got a little snippy. Right. And that all mm -hmm. is about our strong foundation. If we really are defining who we are by what Jesus did for us, mm -hmm. then I can I can make a mistake and I don't like turn into a puddle on the floor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I know you know what I'm okay. I you know Jesus saw that one coming from millennia ago. Knew <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make this very same sinful mistake. If my mistakes <laughs> turned to puddles and I acted that way, I would be late. Yeah. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> uh, so and that's so important with our kids too, you know, because they they are they are watching us, 
And when we are defensive and can't admit our mistakes, that sends messages Mm -hmm. about who God is Mm -hmm. and that we have to get it perfect and it's not okay to mess up. And um, they enter life feeling like, my parents always seem to never make mistakes and yep. need to apologize, and but I see I'm a mess on the inside, and you know it's just really yeah. so mm-hmm. that foundation piece is so yeah, critical. We have observed that parents who are really good coaches are parents who are able to talk their process out loud in a way that they can tell their kids, you know, the values. Mm. So whether it's in the mistakes or in the successes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we go to the grocery store and they give us too much change. When it says $1.43 on the thing and we got $1.84 in our hand and it's like, what's going on here? And, you know, most parents would just say, oh, you gave me too much change. And they'd give the people back the change and their kids are in the cart. And, you know, but it's like, kids, guess what? I got I got too much money back. It says a dollar forty three here, but I got a dollar eighty four. What should we keep that money to ourselves because we're selfish, or should we give that back because we want to do what's right? Mm-hmm. And, and engage the kids in the process as mm-hmm. we think out loud about it. And it's really interesting when parents decide that part of their coaching routine is going to be to talk about their process out loud. And I found this. I think you found this mm-hmm. too, Lynn. Really, two powerful things happen. You know, one is is that we do have to think more about w- what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it and how to communicate that well to our kids. But the other one is is that it keeps us accountable mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to to a different level of behavior. And mm-hmm. to, so if I go to the t- store and decide I'm going to buy that big flat screen TV just because I don't like mine anymore, and I have to talk about that, and my eight year old is along with me asking for baseball stuff and and wanting his baseball stuff right now just because he wants it and i buy the tv but we don't have because i want it because yeah. i want it <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know that's a double standard in the kid no you can't have that you got to earn the money for it you got to do the thing you know instead of talking about the values like why do we have that tv and why do we need that and why would god want us to have it mm-hmm. like when i'm forced to think about those questions candidly i don't mm-hmm. go home with the tv <laughs> right right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not well you shouldn't get stuff no it's are you are you weighing the stuff that you get through the lens of your family's values that you've been talking about out mm-hmm. loud as mm-hmm. coaches with your kids? Right. I love that. My boys are 10 and 13. Yeah. And so they're right at ages where you can They want all the they stuff. They can well, well and they can engage in a different way in that process, mm-hmm. especially my 13-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And it's so important too, you know, a lot of times parents want to make everything about obedience and they mm-hmm. think that mm-hmm. immediate obedience is going to create kids that will just immediately o- obey God or something like that and it re- more often we've seen that it creates really resentful mm-hmm. and um, stifled kids so there was a, a statement I can't quote it exactly but someone said if we give directives all the time then we are raising followers mm-hmm. but if we give choices and delegate authority that was the phrase delegate authority that's how you raise leaders Mm. and so for parents to recognize for children to be able to step into leadership if God calls them to they have to be able to make wise decisions problem solve with others make good choices and experiment with that with lots of failure along the way right Um, and so if parents make everything about immediate obedience then all those opportunities are lost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's an important part of coaching as well so that, and then the next one is correct. Yep. That's the top of the, the triangle. Mm-hmm. And it's smaller than the rest because <clears throat> the ideal is certainly that <laughs> with all that good work on 
being peaceful and okay when our kids are struggling and connecting with them well and coaching them in values and skills that they'll need a lot less correction. And we've seen that happen over and over and over again in all our work and in our own family as well. Mm -hmm. But when parents do correct, uh, it's not about, okay, what's the punishment to make this never happen again? Mm -hmm. You know, if I hurt my child with a big punishment enough, they won't want to do it, well, at least when I'm around. So what's really going to build, you know, skills for life is to communicate to kids the message, you are responsible for your actions. And I'm going to guide you in the process of making it right with whomever you've wronged. And that's a message to send kids out equipped for a lifetime to value their relationships, to reconcile when they've blown it, and to be thoughtful about their own behavior, thoughtful and responsible about their own behavior. So then what do you do when they won't... Okay, so my 10-year-old, my strong-willed one, will kind of just shut down. Mm -hmm. And often when he shuts down I find my go-to is to get bigger Mm -hmm. which is never helpful (laughs) but in the instances where I've come in and said if I were you I would feel like this or if that happened to me this is how I would feel Mm -hmm. and start to talk about maybe something that happened to me or some experience that I've had that was kind of similar then he'll Sometimes, not always, like he can really shut down pretty tight. Mm-hmm. But what do you do then when, when you're trying to do this and engage with your child and they're stonewall, mm-hmm. stonewalling yeah. you? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's common. It happened to us. It happens, I think, to most parents. And Lynn, maybe you even could, could chip in here a little bit on the, on the uh, kind of on the OT side yeah, of things. Yeah, butterfly but, stuff. Um, you know, people shut down for a reason, and mm-hmm. usually it's, this, it's that they're too overwhelmed by whatever's going on in their brain or in their body at the time for them mm-hmm. to interact with it, and their choice is either to shut down or to act in ways that are they know is even going to be worse. Mm-hmm. So it's big, I mean, because sometimes he can appear as of, of having no feeling, mm-hmm. but what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm starting to learn is that he actually yeah. has such mm-hmm. such big mm-hmm. feelings is that kind of yeah, what you're saying? Absolutely. That he doesn't know what to do with them. Absolutely. We've okay. seen that Yeah, in, in my coaching. I see that a lot with kiddos. That the, the kids that have the big, intense feelings, they have the least ability to handle them because they're so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And parents just assume that you know they, they just want to be, they want to do negative behavior, they don't want to take responsibility, when really they're, they're internally... They probably have higher standards mm. than the easygoing kid and mm. the uh, child, and they they don't they they can't really face what they've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one young boy said, um, "If we talk about it afterwards, then I just feel even worse." Mm. So, it's that root of shame of why is it so hard for me? They don't understand the unique wiring, the unique nervous system that God has given to each person and that how they experience life and how their brain and body works is very different than their shiny sibling who just mm-hmm. manages to behave quite well and is, be, is working hard to build their little identity around that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we often see families where there's a child over in the white sheep corner and a child in the black sheep corner and everybody starts to build identity around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those kids are discouraged, they feel ashamed and to face what they've done and talk it through, especially if the parent is in any kind of a lecture mode, it just shuts them down. They just don't want to don't deal with it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a sign that they care, almost care too much instead of 
yeah. don't care. Yeah. So for those kids, to back up to just the basic idea of what correction is, we think correction is getting our kids to behave right. Right, like behavior modification. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but really correction is about in something got broken, something got either literally or figuratively. Be because of your behavior, something is out of alignment with God's best. And our, our, again, our parental default and what we've been taught is let's put some negative consequence in place that will somehow motivate that child not to do that thing again in the future. Mm -hmm. So if, we, if, they, if they experience a certain kind of a pain now, then they'll learn not to do this uh, in the future. And the scary thing is, is that that actually works. It works in it order to work. curb mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah, it can work, and it often works, especially with younger kids. We can scare them into complying with what we want them to do. But that's not teaching them wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's not really correcting anything. That's just rerouting, you know, their misbehavior. Lynn talked earlier about how we, we're teaching them not to do that in front of me or any other big scary people. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But they don't know why, and they don't value doing right. They just are scared of doing wrong. And our goal as parents is to help our kids value doing right. And if if they've done something that isn't right, the way that we help them do that, grow that value, is to invite them to put circumstances in place by which they make right take responsibility to make right what they've made wrong. Mm -hmm. So if you colored on the wall, when I told you six times not to color on the wall, and you did it again, you know, I can remove the crayons from you forever, and you'll still, mm -hmm. like, that, that, that didn't teach you the value of what happened and what was broken and of restoring it or reconciling it. That just mm -hmm. taught you to be mad at me because I took your crayons away, probably. And so we invite parents to think as, in the mode of correcting our kids, not how do I punish them, but how do I compel them to make right what they've made wrong? Mm -hmm. So in that instance, it would be cleaning the wall. Or, or, yeah, and if they're three years old, they probably can't do it alone. So this mm -hmm. is the day you learn to help clean the wall, and you, mm -hmm. and you maybe help to put the primer on it and help to repaint it, and, mm -hmm. and you help to pay for that because it takes a little money. So we go to your piggy bank, and some of that money that you were hoping to use to buy something else comes out of it to help pay for the. And we do it not in a spirit of see what, see what you did and how bad it is and how wrong it is, and, yep, we're going to take your money. But it's like, yeah, this is the way life works, buddy. Mm -hmm. When you make stuff wrong, it's your job to make it right, and mm -hmm. I'm going to help you learn because mm -hmm. you don't know how to paint walls or fix things and so we'll do it together this time mm -hmm. i remember a time when uh, our oldest son was uh, he didn't like the cereal choice for breakfast that we were going to have that day and he was three no he was like five okay so he's five years old and he didn't like the cereal choice and he was mad i think he'd been to the cabin and grandma had given him lots of sugar mm. cereal so <laughs> we didn't serve sugar we love you grandma um <laughs> And he, you know, this was this was raisin bran. Mm -hmm. He got mad and he took the box. I said, Here, "This is what's for breakfast, buddy. And if you don't want to have breakfast, you don't have to. It's okay. But this is what's for breakfast, and it's healthy and it's good for you. And we treat our bodies. The sugar is, you know, it's something we eat a little bit of maybe after we've eaten a good meal to help us digest our food. But it's not mm -hmm. like the main thing. And so this is unless you're with grandma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless it's grandma. Let yeah. grandma do that. Yep. So he's like, he took the box, which was open. Mm -hmm. And he raised it up above his head in anger, and then he slammed it on the counter, right back in the position it was in, except mm -hmm. the force of all of that, threw the cereal out of the box all over me. And I was learning these principles as a young dad at the time, mm -hmm. and I started to see immediately, like, how dare he? Mm -hmm. You know, like, that was my default inside. I mm -hmm. didn't say that, probably luckily, because at the moment Lynn was 
across the room starting to watch this all unfold. <laughs> <laughs> looking at me then kind of like she's looking at me <laughs> yeah. now with this little slide grin gonna on do her face. <laughs> what are you going to solve this one? Are you going to practice what you preached there, fella? And I took a breath. And I could, then I could see the flakes stuck in my beard and all over my shirt and, you know, everywhere. And I was able to see this as, you know, like if I was watching a sitcom of my own life, it was actually kind of funny mm -hmm. now because I was outside of my own rage. And I took a breath and I smiled. And Daniel is, you know, he's like looking up at me like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? Because I do have a propensity from time to time to get snippy and quick. and mm -hmm. Which we've talked about. We've talked about that already. <laughs> well, I did back then even more. And so he looked up at me, and I'm, I'm, I'm just now I'm thinking, all right, what, how do, how do I handle this? And it occurred to me there was a mess, and that Daniel hadn't learned to vacuum yet, and this would be the day. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, that's you know, I, th I think the first thing I said was, so Daniel, this is quite a mess. It looks like today's the day you're going to learn to vacuum. Yep. You know where the vacuum cleaner is, or should we go get it together? Let's go take care of this mess, and then talk about whether you want to have breakfast or not. And we went and vacuumed and had fun, and that was, you know he learned to vacuum and actually kind of enjoy it and mm -hmm. clean up the rest of the stuff on the counter. I don't remember what we did for breakfast after that, but that like that power struggle never mm -hmm. happened again with him, and that was about inviting him to make it right in a spirit of grace, right. rather than just punishing right. him and shaming him and talking a whole bunch about all the wrong things he did and why they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Or for you to say you can't treat me that way, right? Yeah. And you know, which, which the is, power struggle, yeah, which I that came out of my mouth when he was a teenager numerous times, and I learned to laugh and go, Yeah, well, he just did, and I'm sure this wasn't the last time. And so, why am I saying this? Because mm -hmm. I like to feel just a little bit more powerful, and that sounds yeah. somehow more powerful, but let's mm -hmm. all right, let's get to reality. So, mm -hmm. yeah, with Daniel, I actually learned to say, uh, Daniel, I'm feeling really upset right now, and I want to take a, a break so that I can be respectful to you. Mm. And that model—that's power. That I mean, if we're going to talk about power. That yeah, is super powerful. Yeah, right. Because the message is, is I, my job is to control me, not mm -hmm. you. And I want to be respectful yeah. because you are worthy of respect. Well, and then mm -hmm. that models to him too yeah. how you handle when you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, our daughter is now twenty, upper twenties, and uh, she helped us do videography for a while. And she was riding the car with me one day after videotaping one of my deals that I had done and and I was feeling pretty good about my presentation and pretty good about things and just I thought so Bethany you know you heard all these stories just now and I've been teaching parents but when you think about me as a dad um, you know what, what do you think I did best and I did a lot of things pretty well that I you know I in my mind like top of mind were, were three pretty quick answers I was creative I made uh, hard things a lot of fun sometimes um, you got down on a real emotional level I got, with the kids. I, I got very, you know, I, there, there was a whole bunch of different attributes that I was thinking about, and she didn't say any of those. The first thing she said was, Dad, you apologized well. Mm. <laughs> and when I first heard that, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> we know what that means. <laughs> she remembers that. <laughs> yeah. But I must have screwed up a lot. I must have got a lot to apologize for. But then, for. you know, as, as I thought about that, and Lynn and I even talked about it later, it's like, you know what? The, the, the humility to apologize mm -hmm. is probably one of our greatest currencies mm -hmm. of influence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. With our kids. I remember the day that I was had an alt another altercation with Daniel, our oldest strong-willed little kiddo, and um, I was trudging back down the stairs to apologize, I, I can remember thinking, all right, I'm probably 
wrong here, so I'm going to go initiate the apology. And then I thought, well, at least he'll know what to do when he blows it, because he sure watches me a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to his room, and he was leaned back on his bed with his, with his arms behind his, with his hands behind his head, you know, just relaxed, reclined, and grinning. And I walk in the room, and he says, I was waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> and my first thought was, you little stinker. And my second thought was, he trusts me. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it really was. And that kid apologizes so well because he watched us do it so many times. Yeah. In fact, when he was, this is what the, the phrase that we have at the very end of our book, Discipline That Connects with a Child's Heart. Which is a great book and will be in the show notes. <laughs> um, you know, it's quoting him. And mm-hmm. he said, I, this was at about 16, he said, I love apologizing because I can take the wrong I've done, cast it off, and be free of it before God and man. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the reconciled, connected relationships he's had in life because he learned to value reconciliation, mm-hmm. not because we forced him to say sorry. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, building that value of reconciliation happens when he sees us do it mm-hmm. with him, when mm-hmm. they, our kids see us do it with each other. When we talk about God's gift of reconciled, close, connected relationships, and that's what Jesus bought for us. So let's work to get back to that because that's where the joy and intimacy yeah. is. And kids begin to see that as a real value, not as a hoop they have to jump through to get out of time out. Mm -hmm. And that's where real life change happens. Much of the instruction in the Bible about how we ought to behave in church is, in essence, uh, instructions about how we ought to behave at home with our own kids. Mm -hmm. So so think about the one another verses. Love one another, encourage one another, bear Mm -hmm. one another's burdens, uh, and so on. What if we wore those as mandates for us as parents in, in how we relate to our kids. And in Galatians 6.1, we're told, if any of us catches another in sin, you who walk by the Spirit, so we've just talked about the fruit of the Spirit a couple of verses before, mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, you know, you who live that way, go to the one who's misbehaving and restore that person gently. Mm. The gentle restoration is not about just lowering our voice and administering the punishment. The gentle restoration is about imploring and compelling and creating opportunity for them to truly restore for themselves what was broken. You know, we can be quiet and think we're being gentle and not be gentle right. at all. So it's about a gentle spirit. It's condescending. about walking. Yeah, mm-hmm. we condescend. Yeah. So in brief, this framework, this magnet is, is this picture of a pyramid with a rectangular box at the bottom, which is your foundation. Out of your foundation, you grow. It's never perfectly built, so we grow into relationship with our kids. We connect, and we communicate the message, you're loved no matter what. We coach, we communicate the message, you're called and capable. We correct, and we communicate the message, you're responsible for your actions. All of this in a context where, as people of grace ourselves, growing in our foundation, we communicate the message to our kids, you're safe with me. And what we like to do, and I don't know how much time we've got. Uh, we've got a few more minutes. Um, is, is to do a little role play okay. that, that we'll make up mm-hmm. here on the spot. Do you want to um, be your son? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll do a little role play right here on the spot that sort of gives people an opportunity to see what parents typically do and what are the messages kids get. We're really going to hone in on what messages kids get based on our, our typical approaches. And then we'll sort of do a redo and see if we can rebuild the, the messages that we call these messages of, of grace and accountability into those interactions. So okay. what's, the, what's the role play? 
I think that Angie's going to figure it out. And while she's thinking, I just want to mm -hmm. say, too, these same principles apply to interactions with a spouse or partner or um, in the workplace as we look below the surface of what's going on in, the, in our interactions. Okay, so we limit screen time to an hour a day, and it's 20 minutes after every meal. We commend you for that. <laughs> the boundaries that we've put around it is and that... I'm sure your kids are so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mom, please, please, could you take my screen right, time exactly. restrictions, please? I'd really like to go down to half an hour. <laughs> and we found that if we, from the time they were young, if we timed them and said, your time's up, they wouldn't stop. If we set a timer and the timer went off, they would stop when they were younger. Now that they've gotten older, sometimes the timer will go off and they'll just keep playing. Okay. Or sometimes they forget to set a timer, which the consequence we had set up for that is if you forget to set a timer, then you're done and that you're, that chunk of 20 minutes is done and you've lost it. So even if it's been 20 minutes or if, it, if it, it's even been five minutes or whatever, you didn't set your yeah. timer. Good. And so often it's the timer's gone off. I heard it go off. I said, I heard your timer go off. And he's still playing and not saying anything. Mm -hmm. ah. And I'm just going to confess <laughs> that <laughs> I have gone over and just taken it out of his hands. Like <laughs> the controller or whatever? The, yeah, the tablet usually. Oh, and yeah. Ripped mm -hmm. it out of his hands because he won't, yeah, mm -hmm. take it off. <laughs> Okay, so um, are we going to do the the I'm already both playing. versions? I'm already okay. I'm in, I'm in So character. typical too. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, typical. Yeah, typical. Okay. Ty typical. Right. I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm using my magnet as a, as a tablet. And I'll do I'm, this in I'm what playing. may be a typical way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm playing my favorite game. The timer has. Buddy, gone you're off. you're you're over time again. Give me that thing. Mom, no, I got to get to the next level. No, Mom, friends are depending thing. on me. Mom, no. Mom. No, not God, okay. you're We've so unfair all the time. You don't even ask. This happens. You talk time about being polite around again. here, and you don't even ask. You are, you're over your time limit almost every day. I'm just tempted to just take this thing away for good. Mom, it's good for me to play this game. There's my friends are on it. We communicate That's with each enough, other. Enough, buddy. That's enough. Oh, this is so ridiculous. I can't stand it. But. <laughs> how how do we do? He doesn't usually use as many words. He doesn't use that many. No, words. it's more stomping, well, I, smashing. Yeah, that doesn't translate on. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, so that was good. You're probably well, now verbalizing. Describe Jim is walking around the room, <laughs> yeah. pounding on the walls. <laughs> so it's just silent. It's but it's but it's the same. And sort it's of usually thing. this kind so, of. So he's angry, oh. and and so slamming um, doors. You know, maybe a little over the top in terms of parental reaction, or you know, because you've been learning no. some of these things. Oh. <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that's okay. All right. So, I have done that. I'm doing that all the time, but so, I have done that. So here's the question: We parents often will say, "Well, good. That was she was being strong. She got that game away from him. She's communicating the message that she mm -hmm. needs to communicate, which is that this is not okay." Mm -hmm. And that may be true, but she's also communicating a set of messages to me about me. Mm that she believes about me based mm. on how she's treating me. Mm -hmm. Like she's not saying them with her words. She's saying them with with her approach, with the, with her tone of voice, with her firmness, with her strength of this or her lack of this, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. She's communicating messages to me. So if... In if, my use of the words, always. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, we invite parents to think, if you're your 10-year-old, you know, in, so you're in my shoes, what messages did you just get from mom right here? And what parents tell us consistently is, well, if I put myself in that child's shoes, the messages they just got from me aren't the ones I wanted them to get. Mm. 
they got a message that says, you're upsetting me, which is an interesting message because underneath that means you're in charge of my emotional well-being. Like, you have control of mom. You have control of dad, which isn't a helpful and healthy message to Mm -hmm. send our kids. Um, You're a pain. You're a problem. You're a failure. You're you're, You're irresponsible. You're irresponsible. Mm -hmm. You're um, incapable. You can't do this without my nagging and my cajoling all the time. No parent intends to communicate those messages to their kids, but if we're not thoughtful about it, that's what we're doing. That day with the cereal box and Daniel, I was thoughtful, but there were many times where I wasn't thoughtful, and I communicated those very sort of messages to any of my three kids when I wasn't thoughtful. What we're inviting parents to do is not get it right all the time, but to grow in being more and more thoughtful, more and more prayerful about the messages of identity we're communicating Mm -hmm. to our kids when we discipline them. Because when we discipline our kids, we're discipling them. Mm -hmm. We're teaching them the essence of what we believe about them as human beings. Mm -hmm. Uh, It overrules most of what they learn in all of the other places that we're probably doing a pretty good job of having them involved in church activities and maybe doing some readings at home or family devotionals or you know those kinds of things. If we're not consistent when we discipline our kids with all of that stuff out there, then what we do when we discipline them trumps all that other stuff. So we invite parents to be more thoughtful about how to, how to put these messages in place that we've made a part of this refrigerator magnet, which is you're safe with me. You're loved no matter how you're acting right now. You're called and capable, and you're responsible for your actions. So we're going to do the role play again, and okay. we've got to verbalize things so you can't see the non-verbals as much, but right. Lynn is going to play a mom who is dealing with this and has decided, I want to put those messages front and center. It's not that I want to let go of the behavioral stuff. It's that I want to make the behavioral stuff secondary, not primary, because that's what we do as parents. We make behavioral stuff primary, and mm-hmm. then we hope to go back and backfill it with the messages, but if we get it backwards, then that's where that trumping effect starts to happen. So Lynn is going to put the messages in play mm-hmm. as we run this again. I'm playing with the screen, and the buzzer has gone off, and I hit it because I don't want it to bug me. Hey, buddy, you're uh, you're really having some fun there, aren't you? Yeah, Mom, i got to get to the next you're level. so good at that. Mom, my friends, there's a bunch of them here. Just let me finish this one. I know, and you love your friends, don't you? I do. Yeah. Mom, stop it. Uh, well, I just want to remind you that you're losing extra time right now because you've gone over. That's, that's fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I need to finish this level right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you continue to play to the end... I know, I know. Can you just be quiet and let me finish? Then you'll lose it for today and tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. (sighs) I know. So if you get off quickly, we can have a good conversation about a plan to keep this from happening. Oh, fine. Mom, gosh. I know it. You love that thing, don't you? It's so hard to get off. They're not even going to want to play with me tomorrow anyway. Yeah. I know you're really loyal to your friends, but Gosh. it's not my job to get you off the screen. It's your well, job. You... So we've we've got to figure out a different system, and and we'll, we'll take a break for a couple of days. Um, but I think you're such a creative kid. A couple of days. Yeah, I know you're such a creative. I'm gonna catch kid. up. I won't even be able to join the game anymore. Yeah, that was not maybe the choice that you were. That was the best for you, was it to keep playing? So I know it's hard for me sometimes to get off Facebook. And so sometimes I just take a break for a while. So I get it. Fine. Fine. Just leave me alone. Okay. Yeah, I can see you don't want to talk. So that's certainly good that you let me know that. Mom, you just just keep talking. Stop it. I'm done. (laughs) 
Would you like to talk after supper? I don't want to talk about it anymore. Just leave me alone. Okay, that's totally fine. Before you resume, we have to have a really good conversation. If that's next week, that's totally good with me. Love you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So, as the 10-year-old now, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I'm still mostly just really frustrated about all Mm -hmm. of this, Mm -hmm. but I'm not mad at her. I'm feeling the weight of what I've done, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the first peace that kids have to feel on their way to making things right. Mm -hmm. It's like we get so engaged in that default response that kids don't focus on what it is that they're doing that they ought not do. They Mm -hmm. focus on the energy going on in the power struggle Mm -hmm. between them and their parents and their desire to win this. But I'm feeling like I don't have any weapons with which to win right now. And I'm just feeling, I mean, like like the way she, I don't even hear, honestly, even as a role play, I didn't hear everything she said. It was like, wah, 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 wah. (laughs) It wasn't the kind of wah, wah, wah that made me think my mother is irrational. It was the Mm -hmm. kind of wah, wah, wah that made me think, she's right and I hate this. Mm -hmm. And so now here we are and I don't get my game back until I've had a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And I know that she's serious because she's calm and it's not a threat and it's just she's confident. And that's what these messages seem to do for parents is it just brings in this whole new level of like, I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to communicate these messages about my kids, which are not just, by the way, my truth for them about their identity. This is God's truth about my kids. Are we safe? God loves us. Mm-hmm. Are, are we safe in relationship with God under his care? Mm-hmm. We are absolutely safe. Does that mean he's always going to let us get away with and do what we want? No, he disciplines us in mm-hmm. his way, but it's mm-hmm. in love for our good so that we might share his holiness. Um, well, and lets us experience pain. I mean, that's one thing that I was mm-hmm. noticing was the remorse. I mean, letting them sit. I mean, it's hard to let your children feel pain, yeah. but so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the kind of remorse. The pain of remorse. The yeah. pain of remorse that really the Bible is talking about when it talks about the pain of discipline. Like Hebrews mm-hmm. 12, a lot of people use Hebrews 12 as a parenting verse. You know, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but mm-hmm. painful. And by those who've been trained by it, there is a harvest of righteousness. Uh, and parents go, well, that's why we need to, you know, put painful things in place. Well, that word really isn't about physical pain or even harsh emotional pain. It's about the pain of remorse upon mm-hmm. self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Around yeah, it's usually translated sorrowful. Mm-hmm. And then in that one instance, they translate it painful. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing I just want to say quickly about that passage is it's not written as a parenting verse. It's mm-hmm. written to believers who themselves need to understand the, the importance of the discipline of the Lord, which is really about us looking inward and recognizing our own failure, our own fault, our own flaw, mm-hmm. and, and surrendering that, letting go of our desire to hang on to our lives, of mm-hmm. ripping away of our self-will in surrender to God. It's, it's that sort of sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, the, you know, that's what you just said is, kind of a little piece of how even as a 10 year old in this role play I, I yeah I was like ah, I blew it. Mm-hmm. what's wrong now it's about what's wrong with me and now I give mom a chance as I start doing this kind of language to mm-hmm. maybe bring some encouragement and some perspective and so I just want to kind of wrap us up I assume we're getting close mm-hmm. on time <laughs> I just want to wrap us up by by looking at how this big picture framework affects screen time because it is the most common challenge that parents over of kids over than five mm-hmm. um, present to us. And so if we think in terms of our foundation, if I sense, and I, I got in touch with this, um, I was more anxious if Daniel was on the computer 
So then getting him off the computer, that was about my anxiety. It wasn't mm-hmm. about what was good for him. So I had to deal with that first. Mm-hmm. And as we really looked at our foundation, we tapped into that sense of this kid is called and capable of doing good things in God's kingdom. And we expressed that to him as, you know, Daniel, we are concerned that this escalating power struggle over screens is hurting our relationship and it's we see it sucking the life out of your creativity and we want to come mm-hmm. alongside you and support that creativity mm-hmm. in ways that are going to prepare you to walk in God's purposes for you. And we talk about this in our entitlement online course, tell the whole story of all the things that we did to come alongside him and figure out the gifts that he was using when he played computer games could mm-hmm. be the gifts that we set him up to use in three-dimensional life to really experience them and use them to be a blessing. So we got mm-hmm. him wood for a tree fort, and then he started building this huge tree fort, and then he built tree forts for other kids that wanted a tree fort. So that was just one of the examples. But that shift in our thinking from this is something we have to control and manage mm-hmm. to our child is called and capable, and we want to come alongside him to experience that. He got excited about it. The power struggle really just evaporated. I've never seen anything, any of our struggles with him change so quickly mm-hmm. because of thinking through the lens of this framework. And we stopped making about correction and boundaries and limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did take the computer game away, but we put so much effort into come alongside him and develop that sense of you're called and capable. Well, that's what I love about this the process that you have is that it's not about it's not about not having consequences it's not right. about not having boundaries mm-hmm. it's not about not having discipline right. but the way that you're going about right. it is like mind-blowing yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it's so it really, different it really, I, it, the simple way that we phrase it is is that we've we've made a fundamental shift from uh, behavior-based identity mm-hmm. to message-based identity you know, when the identity is in the right and wrong behaviors, we have kids who are really feeling great about themselves because of how great they are all the time, which only lasts so long, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or the other extreme is, is that they just get really discouraged really fast. They're like, well, who cares? I can never measure up to anybody's expectations for me anyway, so why try? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more and more of those kids. And kind of in the in-between place, uh, it, you know, is is a rampant, you know, really an epidemic of anxiety in our young people now. Mm-hmm because of all of the crazy expectations that are coming at them from their parents and from the social media world and from, but it's all identity based. It's like what makes you a valuable human in the mind of the world right now is more and more and more about what the external world says about you Mm -hmm. and about your accomplishments and your achievements and your likes and your stars and your happy faces Mm -hmm. and your Mm -hmm. thumbs ups and your athletic goals and your grades. And and it's like all about externals. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of this foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of about. about, yeah, the foundation of truth is our only value is because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Mm-hmm. Growing to know who we are in Christ and in that identity frees us to, to, to do what God built us to do, but it, but also frees us to be okay if I don't do it as well as you do. Mm-hmm. When we get into this identity-based messaging approach, uh, and we do, we hear parents tell us, Consistently, it just it flips upside down, mm-hmm. and revolutionary change happens in families sometimes really quickly. Yeah, a lot of times it's a, a slow process that parents are persistent at. But another way to say that whole philosophy is when we shift our primary focus from managing behavior to mentoring belief, mm-hmm. kids grow to wisely manage their own behavior. Yep. And if we think that we're going to change a child's behavior when they believe the opposite 
of what we're hoping for is true, then we're in for quite a power struggle. So no guarantees. Yeah. You know, yeah. Our kids get to make their choices, but mm -hmm. if we focus on identity instead of behavior, we see tremendous transformation happen in families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. This has been so good for me personally with my with my own children <laughs> um, but I really wanted to share you with the listeners because of the message your message has been so impactful with my parenting yeah. so well, that blesses us thank you yeah. um, Thanks, but before we go there are two questions I always ask my guests oh, um, the first one is it's called retreat house podcast so how do you retreat is it a daily rhythm is it getting away and retreating, but what does retreat look like for you? I tend to start my mornings really leisurely mm. with tea and Bible and looking out the window. And if I don't do that, pretty soon I'm just sort of spiritually dry and cranky. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's mm -hmm. probably my best form of retreat. Yeah, yeah Lynn is very methodical. Jim? <laughs> not so much not so very much. creative uh, we're actually fortunate right now to be living as guests in a, in a house so retreat of sorts mm -hmm. even in our temporary housing where I can go out on the lake mm. and, and I got a little kayak and I just go out and move about and let the waves cascade and look at the clouds and soak it all in and thank the Lord my other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? <laughs> you go first. <laughs> celebrate weird. Oh, my goodness. My mother, affectionately, and Lynn's too. I mean, this is part of what drew us together, I think. Both of our mothers said about us as, as little kids, boy, that's a unique one. Oh. Uh -huh. <laughs> and they compared notes at our wedding. Oh, funny. And they said, you know, the, the word I've always thought about Jim was unique. And my mom said, that's the weird I, word I think about Lynn, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, unique squared is weird. <laughs> unique squared is weird, yeah. Or, or we had a um, 16 years ago when we were in the formative stages of Connected Families, we brought an advisory group together. And there was a spiritual director that was a part of this. And, and she, you know, she asked everybody to kind of just like, what are some what are some words that describe Jim and Lynn and the heart of this ministry? And one of the words that was uttered about us that stuck was quirky. <laughs> Celebrate quirky. Well, I would say we both get a little weird about coffee, but we won't go into that. But <laughs> my celebrate weird thing would be, I sometimes have this weird brain loop where I'll start I'll start to get emotional, and cry like sentimental cry. Mm -hmm. And go into it going, oh, no, no, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, shoot, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know? And I remember a time when I was at a grad party for a classmate of my youngest son. So here my youngest son is graduating from mm -hmm, high school, mm -hmm. and the last one's going to leave. Right, all the feelings about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking to this woman who I just sort of barely knew, and I'd met her like three or four times and forgotten her name three or four times, so it's already off to an awkward start. Mm -hmm. So and we're chatting, and, and I start to talk about Noah graduating from high school, and I start to get all choked up, and pretty soon I'm like sobbing <laughs> with this lady. <laughs> I can't stop and the harder I try to stop the worse it gets and she's just looking at me and I can't I it was just like this floodgate and I'm just standing there looking like an emotional wreck and she finally just walks off 
Because she just didn't know what to do with me, and I <laughs> it's ever happened but it's like oh that's weird for me mm -hmm. and I just haven't figured out just the right way to switch my brain loop to something different when I feel it coming, coming on. on so <laughs> anyway oh. I like weird well thank you again for being on the show I really appreciate it well, we love it yeah. thanks for the time it's great thank you for joining us today at the table any information mentioned in the show or things we talked about can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please leave a review so that others can find us too. If you want to keep up on what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us on all the social medias at, at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at, at Angie Smith MN. We'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast.